last two weeks we've been talking about overcoming with Jesus. Um, Mark and Liz both spoke on how um, we had to have, have Jesus help us from falling into a rut that we get stuck into, a mindset, a feeling that we get stuck into and have him help pull us out. It's not about feelings, it's about faith. So that's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And last week Liz touched on how Christ has already given us the power and the authority, irrespective of how we feel. So irrespective of the fact that I don't feel very powerful right now, God's already given me the power and the authority. And I've already successfully done this sermon in his eyes. (laughs) So that is what we've been talking on. So today I'm going to talk about something very similar that goes along the same lines, but touching on just a little bit of a different... um, spin on overcoming. So I'm going to talk about the battle cry of praise and how we can overcome with Jesus through praise. Um, Very, very appropriate for me this week, seeing as though all week I have not felt like praising whatsoever. So here's my song of praise for you. We're going to start reading this morning in Um, Joshua. So I want you to turn, if you've got your Bibles, to Joshua chapter 6. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. So Joshua chapter 6. You all probably, maybe, um, I'm assuming, you know the story about um, the walls of Jericho and Joshua leading the Israelites um, into, I guess, battle to take over the city of Jericho. So, let's just start from the very beginning. Very good place to start. All right, chapter 1. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in, and well, no one went out, and no one came in. Okay, so before I'm going to keep reading, does anybody know what the walls of Jericho actually looked like? Probably from this drawing behind me, you do now. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little bit of a rundown of what these people were up against. This wasn't just like some sort of a little Besser brick wall going up to yay high that they marched around and had a little yell at at the end. This was... Okay. Hopefully you can all see this. I've tried my hand at a bit of, um, a bit of graphic designing here. So... This here, there's a little tiny person down here to give you a little feel of how big it was. They've built a retaining wall. And then on top of the retaining wall, they've built another wall up. It's two meters wide, so it's a pretty far, thick wall. And then high-wise, it's about four stories. So four stories, I'll give you an idea. One story is where the red finishes. So four of those, boom, 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 boom on top of each other. So that's just the initial front wall, four stories high from floor to top. So that's what they're standing in front of. And then behind that wall, there's six acres of land. And they had some people living in this middle section as well, like had their houses in there. Probably didn't look anything like that. But yes, so they had that big section and then they had another wall, just in case you got (laughs) 
over that wall, here's another wall, which is the same height as this top bit here. So all up, because it went on a big incline, from floor, well, from ground level to the top of the top wall, 14 metres high. So if you can picture a few of those stacked on top of each other and then a, a couple more, that's the general feeling of what you're kind of up against. Are we with me? Yes? We're getting a shrinking feeling. Good. All right. So let's go to chapter two, uh, verse 2. Sorry. Then the Lord said to Je- um, Joshua, not Josiah, Okay. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in. So we're going to just go back to that first verse, the chapter two verse. I mean, sorry, not chapter two, verse two. Come on, brain, we can do this. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. So they haven't even... They haven't even put on a sword. They haven't even put on their armor. They haven't even pulled out their trumpets yet. And God's already said, you've already gone in there. You haven't even gone up to the wall and faced it yet. But hey, you've already done it. Man, imagine your life with your wall, whatever it might be, whatever you're facing, be it finance, be it parental stuff, be it being a teenager, being having a job, whatever it might be, whatever your wall is that you seem to be running into, you run into that wall and before you can even kind of grasp what you've got to do, what tools you need to get through this, what mentally you need to get through this, what emotionally you need to get through this battle in your life, God said, you've already done it. You've already got the victory. I've already given you the power to overcome that. I don't know about you, but... (laughs) Pretty sure my faith would have to do double time kicking in for my feelings to just go, oh, okay, cool, sweet, I'm there. Because I wouldn't be feeling that. So that's, that's what God's... Um, I knew this was going to happen. Forget a word. That's what God um, prophesied into their lives, a victory already before it even started. Okay. Verse 8. Where are we? I need to go across here. So verse 8. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. So they, he didn't say, like, go around and swing your swords and be all like macho. He said, blow some trumpets. Okay, that's little out of the ordinary for a battle but okay so but Josiah uh, why do I keep doing that Joshua had commanded the army do not give a war cry do not raise your voices do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout 
then shout. So they're going around, walking silently around a massive wall. Just seems a little strange. You just really have to have a lot of faith, seeing as God's already said to you, you've already gone in there and defeated it all. Walking silently around a wall. So he had the ark in verse 11 of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. So they did this for six days. Six days straight, walking silently around a wall. And at the end of the day, when they got to the back to the start of where they first started, they blew their trumpets. Six days, silent walking, then a bit of a trumpet. All right, God, when are we going to get rough with this wall? Okay, let's just, let's just do what we've got to do. Because remember, he's already said we've already defeated it. Verse 15, it says, On the seventh day, so this is the day when God said to do something a little different, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the seventh the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. He's already given it to you, so let it roar. And in verse 20 it says, When the trumpet sounded and the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. What a cool thing that would have been to be there. This big lead up to the seventh day, quietly marching around, blowing a trumpet, quiet marching, blowing a trumpet, quiet marching, waiting for something to happen. And then on the seventh day, we march seven times, we blow the long sound of the trumpet and then we yell, and then it all comes crashing down. So what did God teach them in this lesson? He, teach, he taught them a very important lesson that can apply to us. Faith and perseverance. Even when it seems a little odd what God's told you to do, maybe there's something really urgent that needs to be done in your life. Maybe you have a wall that really needs knocking down today. And God said to you, I want you to wait. Just be quiet and wait. It seems a little irrational and seems a little like, but they're saying it's urgency. Something needs to happen now. I don't understand why you're asking me to just sit here. We need to have faith and persevere. God's timing is not our timing. We have to persevere through whatever it might be. Keep on persevering, persevering. Even if it might seem like a completely odd thing that he's asked us to do, walk silently around a giant wall, blow a trumpet a few times, and then give a great big shout. Doesn't seem very logical. But God's logic is not our logic. So we have to have faith and persevere. And when we have faith and persevere, then he wants us to verbally praise him. Verbally. It's one thing to know that God is great in your heart. It's another thing to say it out with your mouth and verbally proclaim. He said to them, walk silently until the seventh day and then give a loud shout, not a, yay, come on. 
a loud shout, like a, I can just, like, it would pretty much deafen you. A loud shout. We've already done this. We're giving a loud shout of victory. And then when we verbally praise him and declare out loud who God is in our lives and what he's done, what he's already done and proclaimed in our lives that he's already defeated the battle for us, that's when there's victory. But we have to do these things before God can give us that victory to overcome. Okay. Now, let's go to a new story now, which has a very similar feel about it. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So turn with me if you like. Oh, I'm already there. This is the story of Jehoshaphat. I'm probably saying it wrong, but it's just the way I'm going to say it. So, I didn't know a lot about the story of Jehoshaphat. I was, it was brought to my attention by Annie Cass, actually. And so this story, I always heard people talking about how um, musicians and singers were sent out first into battle and all that kind of thing. I thought, that's a really nice idea. Cool. I don't know where it is in the Bible. So this is that story. Second Chronicles 20. The Battle of Jehoshaphat. All right, in verse 1, it says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So keeping in mind that there's three armies here against one guy. Three. Okay, verse 2. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army, so a massive majority of people, huge vast army, is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. So they're coming from one side. It is already in Hazazon, Tamar, that is En Gedi. So alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So this guy's got his heart in the right place about this. He's just been told there's like three massive armies, huge. All of them are out to get you, my friend. So what are you going to do about it? First off, we're going to go to God. We're not just going to go and pray and say, God, help us. We're going to fast. We're going to spend all of our energy in focusing God, focusing on God. We're going to not eat. We're going to fast and pray. I want everybody to do this with me because we all need to unite in this. So he had his heart in the right place with what was coming against him. Verse 5, it says, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said... Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms, kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have build, built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. So what he's doing here 
and this is in front of everybody that's come to fast and pray with him, is he's verbally proclaiming the greatness of God to God, telling God how good he is. These are the things that you've already done. These are the things that you've proclaimed in our lives. These are the promises. This is how great you are. Haven't you done this? Haven't you done that? We remember it. This is how great you are. I'm verbally declaring it. And then again in verse 12, he says, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. There's more of that faith again. How many times in our lives do we come against something and I say, I don't even know how to get through this today. I don't even know how to climb this wall now. But we have to have the faith that God's already done the victory when we proclaim his name. Okay, so moving on to verse 15, it talks about how pretty much the whole town of Judah, every man, woman, and child, stood before God. And a man by the name of Jehaziel spoke out, and this is what he said. This is what the Lord says to you. This is verse 15. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So God's already won this. It's not even their fight. He's, it's the same thing that happened with the story about Joshua. God said, I've already given you the city. He's already won it. He says in verse 16, Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of, of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm. And see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So again, reiterating, you don't even have to pick up a sword. You don't have to do anything. I've done it already. Just go out in faith. And basically the people after hearing this, they just worshipped God. It said in the Bible they fell on their knees. And some of them even shouted out in a loud voice. So everyone is verbally proclaiming the greatness of God. God's just given them the word and said, you've done this already through me. I've given you the victory. Just go out. And they're just thanking him. I would be too if somebody said, there are three armies coming after you, my friend. My goodness, I'd be praising God if he told me that this was already something that he had gotten through in my life. So in verse 20, it says, Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Can we grasp that? 
Okay, so they've got their, what I would assume was little army compared to what was coming at them. And they're marching out to this desert. And I'm assuming everyone's going to meet up in this big desert and there's going to be a bloodbath and they're all going to kill each other. He says, Jehoshaphat says, right, singers, worshippers, first. Not swords and bow and arrows and things that will probably do the most harm. People with voices and musical gifts. Hmm. (laughs) My voice is not going to kill anybody. (laughs) Unless maybe it's really bad. (laughs) Why? Verbally praising God. Verbally declaring his greatness. He said, we're already going to do this battle. He said, we don't have to fight. We don't even have to bring a sword. And when they stood out in faith and had the people sing out first in praise before the army, going out first into battle, the singers, that's when God confused the minds of everybody else. They ambushed each other and they killed each other. Similar to that story that Dad spoke about a few weeks back about Gideon. And they had the torches and the trumpets. And they said, just blow the trumpets and smash the torches and let, like the, let them light. That's all you've got to do in this battle, and I will do the rest. And that's what he did. He confused the minds of the, of the other armies, and they did all of the battle and defeated themselves. And all that the people of Jehoshaphat's army had to do was cry out to God and sing out as they went into battle. Now, I don't know about you, but my general feeling about how Jehoshaphat must must have felt was that whole, you know the expression, when it rains it pours? So it's not just one problem, it's a whole bunch of problems. And it says in the Bible they came from all sides. So it's a whole lot of pressure on one person. I have so many cases like that in my life. Week by week, there's just, my goodness. Sometimes it's just like, it's pouring outside. Really it is. And I can't handle this. So, okay, I made up this little kind of analogy of what maybe it might feel like, what it might look like. So you're heading to work in the morning. You get ready for work and everything. Everything's going sweet. You head out to the car. You left the door open last night. Battery's dead. She's not going to go anywhere. So you have to go and get a new battery. So you ring RSEQ to buy a new battery from them and have them come out. But you realise that the money that's left in your bank account, only that, that money in there, you weren't going to touch because that's going to the electricity bill, which was due yesterday. And you don't get paid until the end of the week. So you're in a sticky place. So you buy the battery, you're on your way, you're going to work, you're you're late. So you hurry in a bit. Sorry, Uncle Ben. And you get a speeding fine. You go on 15 over the limit. That's just going to top it off right there. This is just the beginning of the week. We've got new battery, no money in the bank for the electricity bill, and no money to pay the speeding fine either. And we're late to work. Man. And then God wants me to sing about it? Really? Really God wants me to 
proclaim his greatness right now. I'm sitting in the car, cameras just flash me in the face. I've pulled over by the side of the road, knowing that I've got such a list of bills now. And he wants me to sing about it. It's like me this week. I got a sermon to prepare. I did a bit of research last week. Feeling good about it. I love the topic. It's great. It's about singing. Yeah, worship. Love it. Good stuff. And it hits this week. Oh, I feel like I'm going to vomit every day. Good stuff. Good stuff. We're on the couch, like just lying there, feeling like I'm going to be sick. Tired. I have about a three hour sleep, and then I wake up, and then I feel like I'm going to be sick again, and I have another three hour sleep. And then, my goodness, it's really going great. And God wants me to sing about it. The fact that I'm going through this, apparently it's a good thing. Apparently. <laughs> and I've got a sermon to prepare. And i got brides emailing me. Where are my wedding photos? And it's Christmas time. <laughs> Peachy. And i got to sing about it. Proclaim the greatness of God in this pouring rain of my life. This is when the rubber hits the road. This is when we have to get out of the feeling and into the faith. We have to stop feeling like we don't want to praise God. We don't want to worship God in the bad times of our life. We don't want to shout his name for joy. Just do it in obedience and in faith. Because when we do it, he gives us the victory to get through whatever it is in our lives that we feel like we can't overcome. But we have to have the faith to do it, not the feeling because we'll, if we're waiting for the feeling, if we're waiting for the rush to go, hallelujah, God's so good, yeah, glory to God, we'll never get it. We'll be waiting our whole lives for the rush. So just step out in faith, praise God in the bad, he will come through. Because he said, before you even hit the bad, I have come through for you. All right. So... This is going shorter than I expected. We're going to finish with a psalm. It's Psalm 149. So turn with me if you've got your Bibles or it's up there. We're going to start at the very top. It says, praise the Lord. In the literal Hebrew, praise the Lord is what? Hallelujah. I didn't learn what that word meant since about last year or the year before that. I just thought it was a cool word. We sung in songs at church. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. So before we even start this great psalm, we're going to praise God. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. The assembly of his faithful people. That's us. He wants us to sing together, to praise him together, communally, communally praise. So that's why we have this odd time on a Sunday morning where we come together and we sing songs. Isn't it strange that we do that? 
Everyone does it in their church. I wonder why. That's why. Come together to communally praise God. It's one thing to stand on your own in the shower singing or in the car singing, wherever nobody can hear you singing. But then to come together and to praise God communally, that's powerful. And that's what he wants us to do. All right, verse 2. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. More praise. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. So we've got our instruments. He wants us to make a noise. He wants us to be musical about the praise. Make it beautiful. Make it a sound of out of our hearts. And there's a word there. We're not sure about it in Western society these days with Christianity. Dancing. Weird. It's, we have to get rid of our notion of what praise is. I don't think dancing's so... Maybe that's your idea. We go to a football game, right? I know Carlos does. And you see those fans that like paint their faces and stuff like that and wear all the colours and like maybe they got some pom-poms on that big finger that's like number one, yeah. And they're like, yeah, come on, Broncos, yeah. And they're jumping around and like hoo-hahing and stuff and doing the, maybe that's soccer actually, the ole, 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 ole. That's definitely soccer. But you get those fans and you watch them at a game and you just think, that's kind of cool. <laughs> they're really into it. They're really passionate about the game. Good for you. Good for you. But then we come to church and we just think that it's a different level of passion that we should have. Don't get too excited. Oh, don't wave your hands, please. This is okay. This is all right too. Don't go right up there. That's a bit too far. And don't wave them. Yikes. Mm, That's too much. And if you get someone jumping around, there's this thing in the Bible called self-control, you know? Like, seriously. Don't get crazy about it. Just don't. We don't do that here in Australia. We don't. Unless you're at football. And then you can. But not here in church. Self-control. We have this funny idea about praising God. He says he wants us to dance. Clap your hands, move your arms and legs. I love how Uncle Alan plays the guitar. He says it's because of rhythm, but I reckon he's just having a jive to Jesus. I love it. Why not have an outward expression of our glorification of God? Why not have an outpouring? If we love God so much, if we're so passionate about God and about the work that he's doing in our lives and all the work that he's already done in our lives, why do we stand there and sing like this? We're singing, hallelujah, hallelujah, your love is amazing. My goodness, we could have fooled him. Why don't we just let it out of ourselves? We sing the words with our mouths. Like Graham said, don't give God lip service. Show him. Show him. He wants us to show him. It may not be cool. You may be 13 and the chick next to you is not doing it. I ain't going there. You might be clapping, the whole row is clapping with you, and then everyone drops off and you're the only one clapping. Um... It's just like we weren't doing anything. 
Why do we care about other people's opinions? What's going on in the Western culture of church? What the notion is of praise? Why don't we care more about what God wants us to do? How he wants us to praise him? Make it an outpouring, an outward expression. So next week, when we're out at Woodridge, I'm watching y'all. <laughs> All right. Verse 4. Yikes. You'll be watching me. Oh, yikes. Okay, verse 4. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. So when we praise God, the act of praising God, we have to make ourselves small and make ourselves less to make our God more. We can't praise if we're here going, God, I've done so much for you. I've just, my ministry, like, I just feel like I've really arrived in my ministry. I'm just above and beyond going, just fasting and praying, Lord, and just, I feel like this sermon thing, like, I've got it down pat, and, oh, but God, you're great. You're really good too, and I really thank you for the gifts that you've given me to do this awesome stuff for you. It doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. We have to make ourselves so small and insignificant and make him the most significant and the greatest for praise to work. And it's when we do that, it's when we make ourselves small and make him great, like when they ran up to that wall, I'm sure they were feeling pretty small. We don't have a sword. We're not even going to fight. We're running up to this four-story-plus-high wall. Let's just make God really great right now and just give him a yell. Because I've got nothing. He's got it all. Go, God. That's when he gives us the victory. That's when the wall came crumbling down. Then. That's when you'll find your problems won't disappear. It doesn't happen that way. But God gives you the grace to get through it today. He gives you the sustenance you need to overcome it today through his name and through praising the name of Jesus. Okay, verse 5, it says, Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. I love that. Don't just sing when you get up in the morning when you're feeling great. Sing when you're about to go to bed, when you're feeling real tired at the end of the day and you've just pretty much done this whole Jericho battle. Sing then. Lie down and sing. <laughs> Why not? He wants us to all day, every day, praise his name out loud. And it's when we praise out loud that does something in the spiritual. It breaks something in the spiritual. In the next verse it says, May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. So it's saying that we have to exalt him verbally. More of what I've been talking about. And the double-edged sword. What's the double-edged sword? The word of God. 
Have it in your hands. That is your weapon. The words that you speak to praise God and the word of God, the truth, that is your weapon to fight what you need to fight. Not fighting words like, I'm going to get you and all this stuff. We don't need that. We don't need a vengeance. We don't need violence. Praise and the word of God. That's what he said we need. Verse 8. To bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron. So the praise of God, like I said before, when it's verbal, that breaks something. It breaks chains, strongholds, spiritual oppressions. That's why he wants you to declare out loud, my God is great. My God is the only God. My God will come through for me. Because when we declare it out loud, we break ourselves free of spiritual battles and spiritual strongholds, and we bind up Satan and, the, and his demons against what he's doing in our lives. And then in the next verse, it says, to carry out the sentence written against them, to bind them up, to carry out what's written against them. Their fate's already written for them. Our enemy has already got his fate written for him. He's got his sentence. We just have to overcome now and say, no, you won't beat me because I know where you're going. I'm not going there. I'm going up with God. Verbally proclaiming. That's when it breaks. And I love the end of the chapter. This is the glory of all his faithful people. Praise the Lord. End it with a hallelujah. This is our glory. We have to. Right, let's go back here. We have to dance. Sorry for all those who are inside dancers, my mum included. Sorry. He wants us to dance. He wants us to make a loud noise, use instruments, timbrels, harps. We don't have those things anymore, but we've got a guitar and a drum kit. That'll do. Use those things. Declare outward expression. Make it outward. He delights in when we humble ourselves. So when we're shouting out, when we're singing, when we get up here and do what we do on a Sunday morning, it's not for our our glory. It's not for us. We're littling ourselves and making God great. And in making God great, we're making a big noise about it. And he wants us to praise him with our mouths and have the word of God in our hands. They are the things that we need to get through our battles. Why? Because then we can bind up the things against us. Hallelujah. Praise God, hey? So, what have we learnt from these two stories today? The Battle of Jericho and the War of Jehoshaphat. What is God trying to teach us? I know he's teaching me, man, I've been learning all week. Yikes, and I'm still learning. Isn't that funny? Whenever he gives it to you for a sermon topic, it's like, it's for me too. (laughs) I have not got this together yet. So the first thing that God's teaching us is teaching us to have faith and persevere. Whatever it might be that he's asked you to do, wait, speak, minister, 
Whatever it is, in whatever season, in whatever wall you're up against, have faith and persevere. That's the first. Despite your feelings. Feelings do not come into the equation. God doesn't care how you feel. God didn't care the fact that I didn't feel like doing this today. He had something to say through me. And he said, I've already given you the, whatever that word is, the power (laughs) to do this. I've already given it to you. doesn't matter how you feel. Get over that. Have some faith. Get up there and do what you've got to do. That's number one. Number two, verbally proclaim the greatness of God. Out of your mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, this is my favorite little something that mum always used to say to me, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. What's going on in here that's coming out of here? Make this praising God so this can praise God. Verbally praise him. Outwardly show it. Dance, get some action happening. Clap your hands, be enthusiastic. Maybe you were raised in a Baptist church. I'm sorry, but let's just go for Jesus. And the third one, focus on God, like Jehoshaphat did. If you've got to fast and pray, fast and pray. Do what it is that you need to do to focus on God and have him all that you're concentrating on. Listen to God. Focus on him. And lift him above every situation in your life. Because it's when we lift him and when we exalt him and we thank him and we keep our eyes on him, that's when he gives us the victory. I'm telling you right now, you stare at a situation that's too big for you and you keep staring at it, nothing's going to happen except you're going to feel completely overwhelmed like this is too much. If I stare at all the things that I've got to do before Christmas time on my to-do list, my good night, I will have a meltdown. And I did a few weeks ago because I did that. I didn't write them down. I didn't sort it out. I just went all in my head. This is too much. I can't do this. I'm going to have a meltdown. And I pretty much did. God doesn't want you to stare at the problem. Look up. Lift up your eyes. Proclaim his greatness. Not the greatness of whatever's going on in your life. Tell the wall how big your God is rather than telling yourself how big the wall is. Tell God how great and vast he is rather than looking around and telling yourself how great and vast your problems that are all surrounding you are. Proclaim it out with your mouth. So I want to encourage you as we lead up to this festive time, a time where we come together with our families. As Christians, we come together to glorify God. This is about God. That's all. This is a time about his son, what he's done.
as we come together, I know, I know this time just gets so like heaped up with things we've got to do. Focus on God. Proclaim verbally his greatness. Have faith. And he will help us. Let's pray for God to give us the strength to do this, hey? Father God, we just want to thank you. We just want to thank you so much right now, God. We are here because of you, Lord. We're here because of what you've done, God. And as we come into this season, Lord, we just want to exalt you. Lord, I just pray that whatever's going on in any one of the lives of people here, Lord, I pray that you will just give us the strength and the power. You've told us already you've won the battle. Before we even get there, Lord, you've won the battle. We just want to exalt you now, Lord, and just thank you and praise you for this, Lord. We just want to just lift you up, Lord, and make you great in our lives, God. I pray that you just give us the strength and the power to just do what it is that you want us to do, Lord, and the faith and the perseverance to, if, even if it doesn't make sense, God, to just trust you and to just hang in there and do what you want us to do, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the victories in our lives, Lord, the ones that we've already had, God, and the ones that are coming, Lord, that we just don't know that we're going to be victorious over. I thank you so much for these stories, Lord, that we read about in the Bible that happened, Lord. I thank you for giving us these examples, Lord, for giving us these messages, Lord, that we can use them to just fight the battles that we have in our lives right now, Lord, with you and with your name and with your praise on our lips, Lord. We just praise you this morning, God, because that's all we want to do, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, in your son's name, Lord. Amen.